I want to show you just the journey of a shoebox. I think for many of us, um, we're not exactly sure what happens to the shoebox. And so we'd like to just do a little demonstration to show that journey of the shoebox. And it all starts because one person, probably somebody from Grace Baptist Church, decides to pack a shoebox. So who is our person that's starting us off? Number one, our shoebox sender. Come on up. We are thankful that you have chosen to pack a shoebox because the journey of the shoebox starts with you. So if you just come up here, we're going to show how this journey continues. And you were one of 8.2 million people, an updated number from last year. Thank goodness our numbers continue to rise. 8.2 million shoeboxes were collected last year. You're participating in the world's largest children's project. But guess what? That only reached a little over 4% of the children in the world. So we have quite a harvest out there. But the journey of the shoebox is just starting. You chose to pack a shoebox. And now you need to take that shoebox to a relay center. So do we have a relay center court? We certainly do. (laughs) The journey of the shoebox continues, and you just pass it on to your relay center, and you just stay right up there. And um, Patty is heading the Relay Center up here, and she's one of over 2,500 Relay Centers across the United States that will be processing these millions of shoe boxes. And she has quite a team of volunteers. If you haven't helped out in the Fellowship Hall, you'll have an opportunity to do so on the 14th to the 21st of November because she's running one of the six Relay Centers in the Southeast Florida team. And you had the busiest Relay Center last year in, your, in the district bringing in over 2,000 shoeboxes, almost three, I stand correct. (laughs) And this year, with the effort and the enthusiasm and the amount of emails and prayer, only the Lord knows how he's going to multiply the efforts here. But the shoebox journey continues because from the relay center, you need to take it to a collection center. So who's our collection center coordinator? Oh, all right, come on up. We need strength at the collection centers, because guess what? She's going to take you those almost 3,000 shoe boxes, but you at the collection center, you're going to have to take those boxes, and you're going to have to put them in cartons, and you're going to have to load your roadway trucks. So you need a lot of muscles and a lot of volunteers, because the Southeast Florida team sent out seven trucks full, and by the way, each roadway truck will hold about 5,000 shoe boxes. It's quite a sight to see. So the journey of the shoebox continues because you've had your volunteers help you load that truck, but now you need a truck driver. So who's our roadway truck driver? All right. We have a roadway assist already. All right. Very good. Oh, good. Well, you're going to carry your roadway truck, and you're going to have about 5,000 shoeboxes on that truck. You have a really awesome responsibility. When we have our trucks leave the collection center, this collection center coordinator will literally have his volunteers at the center lay hands on that truck. And it is an awesome time as a group of volunteers will lay hands on that truck. We're not praying for 5,000 boxes. We're praying for 5,000 children because that's what each of those boxes represent. We've even renamed our Deco Boxes Go Boxes this year because they stand for gospel opportunities that they are. And so this roadway truck driver, he's going to take them on their journey as the journey of the shoebox continues. But you need to drive them up to a 
processing plant. So do we have a processing plant director, processing plant manager? Well, there may be 1,500 relay centers and about 428 collection centers, but guess what, sister? There's only seven of you in the United States, and you are going to be very busy as the shoebox continues because this roadway truck driver has taken them to you, and your boxes from Florida are going to go to the processing plant in Atlanta. Atlanta's a very busy. I hope you're energized because you are going to process a million boxes in a three- to four-week period. So you are going to need lots of volunteers and helpers there. And the first person you need, you need a, you need a sorter. So do we have a sorter in the audience? Who's our sorter? All right. Now, the sorter has an important job as the journey of the shoebox continues. Because when it gets to the processing plant, this sorter, he's going to sort through that box and take out anything that's not allowed to go on this distribution. If he finds a liquid in there, he's going to take it out. Although, as a world relief, we're often allowed to send food and water, for this distribution, we have restrictions on what we're allowed to send. So if you found food in there, you would take it out. If you found liquids in there, and of course, any war toys or those little action figures with guns, unfortunately, as many of our children come from war-torn areas, they've seen enough death and destruction. So you would sort those type of inappropriate items out. But now that you've taken out a few things that have maybe been inappropriate, we need a stuffer. So do we have a stuffer in the audience? as that shoebox continues on its journey. All right. Now, the stuffer's job, as that journey continues, what you want to do is you want to make sure this box goes out 100% full. Because guess what? The child that's getting this is only getting one in their lifetime. Because next year, we move to a new orphanage and a new village because it's all about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you're the little child that receives this is only getting one, and you want to make sure it's absolutely full. Mr. Graham is committed to these boxes being full, and he wants his volunteers to struggle to get the lid on at the processing plant. So what you'll do as a stuffer, you rely on, maybe you're going to have during collection week, somebody come up and say, oh, I didn't have time to pack a shoebox, but I have a bunch of stuffed animals. Bring them on. We'll put them on the truck, and we'll send them to Atlanta. And those are the type of items, whether it's a company or an individual that gives us items in bulk, you will use as a stuffer to then stuff some of those items in any little holes in your box so you send your box out full. Now, the journey of the shoebox is continuing because at your collection center, another one of your volunteers is the cartonizer. So who's our cartonizer? Oh, I hope you like to do puzzles because you have quite a job. What your, your job as the cartonizer is to figure out how to get 14 shoeboxes into that Samaritan purse carton. Because what happens is, if an orphanage says they have 140 children, as an organization, we are going to send them 10 cartons, because there should be 14 shoeboxes in each carton. And that's why sometimes if you get the real big box, because they heard the child only gets one, so they want to give them an extra big blessing, but because you have to figure out how to get 14 in there, if we have a really big box, I'll bet you you're only going to get maybe seven, eight at the most, and that means when it reaches that orphanage, there's going to be six children standing in line that don't get one. I can tell you 
they are satisfied with a standard size shoebox. I saw it firsthand in Honduras. You would give them a standard size shoebox. Gracias, gracias. They would reach through it, sort through it, pick out one item, and hand it back to you, thinking only one item could possibly be theirs. They couldn't even imagine the whole shoebox. So encourage your folks to stick to standard size shoeboxes, because as a cartonizer, you've got quite a job to try to get 14 in each one. But the shoebox journey is kind of coming towards an end, and each step along this journey, we are praying as volunteers for these shoeboxes, but now you have to turn it over to your sea cargo captain. So who's our sea cargo captain? Well, you have an awesome job because you're going to use your sea cargo containers, and each of those containers hold about 10,000 shoeboxes. And we actually sent two huge sea cargo ships abroad last year as we were going into over 105 different countries. So you've got a really cool job of having your sea cargo container filled with shoeboxes. And if it doesn't go by sea cargo, the only other route that we're going to choose is air freight. So who's our pilot amongst us? We have a pilot. I love those women pilots. <laughs> that, that journey of the shoebox has continued in the very able hands of our pilot. And um, she is going to fly this, as I said, to one of 105 different countries and put it into the hands of a national leadership team member. So who do we have here that's part of the national leadership team? Well, you have solicited boxes from Samaritan Purse as a national leader. You are thrilled to get our boxes. And at this point, <laughs> turn it over, pilot. At this point in the journey, Samaritan Purse has now released the shoe boxes to our national leadership team. You are part of a national leadership team that has been trained by Samaritan Purse. You've been supported with materials, Christian literature, and training how to have effective distribution of your shoe boxes, as well as how to have your pastors present the gospel when they do give the shoe boxes away. So as a national leadership team, it is up to you to decide how you're going to get this into your villages and remote areas, which pastors you're going to use, and you're going to decide which orphanages to go to. And now the journey of the shoebox is almost over. You're going to turn it into the hands of a receiving pastor. So where's our Steve? Here's our receiving pastor. And he is thrilled to get the shoeboxes from Samaritan Perth. He knows, as I was told in Honduras by many pastors, that this is just the beginning. He will literally build on the fruit of this and the possibilities of this shoeboxes for years. He has told the national leadership team how many boys and girls are coming his, to his distribution and what ages so that that national leadership team can set, send him the right type of boxes. He is committed to the national leadership team and to Samaritan Purse that he will present the gospel when he gives these shoeboxes because we all know that the crayons will one day break the toothpaste will be used up, but the word of God will last forever. We are committed to these children. That is why a lot of Americans do not go over and distribute, because we want the national leadership team to build up their own pastors so that the shoebox recipient gets it from someone in their own country. 
And now, Steve, you are excited. You're ready to have a gospel presentation with your shoeboxes. And you're going to turn the box over to your shoebox recipient. And who is our shoebox recipient? Well, that would be Livia Satterfield. And she's your guest speaker tonight. And she was a shoebox recipient at the age of 12 in Romania. And Livia is now going to share her story. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good evening, everyone. Is the microphone on? Okay. Awesome. Um, I am the recipient of a shoebox. Who in the world have thought about you meeting somebody like me? Have you ever thought of meeting someone once you pack your shoeboxes? And here I am. <laughs> your dream just happens to come true, and you get to hear from the first of one of the children who happens to receive a shoebox. And uh, if you don't mind, get the PowerPoint. Um, I actually was born in Romania, and uh, when I was born, my mother put me in the orphanage when I was two years old because she could not afford to take care of me, and I lived in a third-world country. And uh, parents who cannot take care of their own children, they can decide whatever they want with them. They can put them on the street and never look back. They can send them out on the street and expect for the child to come back home with some amount of money, or some amount of food. And in order for these children to come home with those items, they have to do extra cleaning and extra obedience. Um, and, uh, I mean, do things that are not appropriate to them. And uh, in the orphanage, I want to find out how many of you have actually met a person, I mean, have actually seen or heard the video of an orphan child or seen the video of an orphanage place? Let's see. Uh, I grew up in an orphanage since the age of two to all the way to the age of 12, and I want to share with you how did I live my life there every day. Um, in the orphanage, if I wanted a second plate of food, I had to do extra cleaning and be extra obedient. Um, I remember a time in the orphanage where we had to do, um, I had to wash hundreds and hundreds of dishes, silverware, plates, and cups. And I decided to do all of this because I wanted to get a loaf of bread at the end. And once I got the loaf of bread, I decided to hide it and put it underneath my pillow at, bed, at bedtime. And once I decided to tear the bread open and eat it, everybody else started smelling the bread, and they wanted to be part of it. And I said, so much after washing all these dishes, because everybody wanted to be having my bread. <laughs> and one time, we used to have lots and lots of food supply, and in order to help get rid of it, they'll feed us a lot. And on a, on a morning day, they gave us bread with butter, and the butter on top of the bread will be very, very thick, and they will not let us go to, to play because they wanted us to eat all the food, to say that, yes, they did feed us. And by the time I finished eating the bread with butter, I ended up spitting it all back out because it was too much butter. But until I cannot eat French toast with butter, I cannot eat pancakes with butter or waffles or anything, I, I have to substitute it with with uh, cream cheese or jelly or anything like that. So, but I can eat a big pack of Ritz crackers. So <laughs> that's how it is. My, and then my mother would tell me, you know, Livia, that ha the whole big pack of Ritz crackers is filled with butter. And I said, no, don't tell me that. Let me enjoy the crackers. And in the orphanage, we also, um, the food supply sometimes will be very, very short. And um, the only thing we would have in front of our faces will be a bread that will be hard and it will be moldy and it smelled. And that's all we could do is just sit and eat it. 
And if we got sick, so what? Also in the orphanage place, um, I remember a, a time where we used to take baths after five or ten children who have already bathed in the same water. Imagine your children and all of their friends have to wait in line for their time to get a bath. Every single time we heard that it was bath time, we tried to race to the, to the bathroom because we wanted to be first. We would give up our food. We would give up our time of play just because we wanted to have that fresh, clean water. And if we did not take, uh, if we did not take baths, we would take so-called showers. We would again be lined up. And yes, we would be separated from boys and girls, but there were different ages and hundreds of children waiting in line. And all of us were looking at each other really weird because some were grown up, some were not. And it was very, very embarrassing because everything was exposed out there. Nothing was kept private for us. And as the workers decided to give us so-called showers, they'll have the bathtub next to them and they will take a bucket and they'll, they'll get the water out of the bathtub and they'll pour it on us. And I remember the water being so hot that once the water hit our skins, all you could see is the steam rising out of us because the water would be so hot. And so until this day, I cannot take baths because I feel like I'm washing myself in my own dirt. Also, in the orphanage, we would wear the same pair of clothes for a week. Same underwear, same pairs of socks, whatever we had on us, stayed on us for a week. I want you to imagine yourself not have to change your clothes until next week on Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. Whatever you have on you, you cannot, get, you cannot change. I remember times where the clothes will be so tight on us, I personally could not sit down for long. I could not play for long because my arms and my legs would hurt. And I could not wait for the week to just come over because I can finally be released of this tight clothes on me. A way of entertainment that we had going on in the orphanage was um, choosing two random children out of the whole place. And we would place them in the middle. And everybody else would surround the two children. And I happened to get picked with my best friend, the one who's holding the album. And we were chosen to fight one another because that was their only way of entertainment. That was their only way of having their adrenaline going on, to watch somebody fight. And it was really, really sad at the time because I remember people, some children were cheering for me, some for my best friend. And it was really sad because we had to fight no matter what. We were chosen. If we did not get to fight, we would be bullied even more than what we were before. So at the end of the fighting time, we would end up having blood all of our faces and be bruised all of our bodies. But we still ended up being good friends because we knew we were set up. And one thing in the orphanage that, um, that we would all do in the orphanage is that every single time it was bedtime and the lights would be out, again, we would be separated from boys and girls. There would be about 50 children per room with bunk beds of three. And once the lights were out, all they could hear in the room is quiet and, and the beds squeaking. And the reason why is because all of us would go to bed rocking ourselves back to sleep. And we would use our whole body to rock ourselves until we would be exhausted. And by the time we would get exhausted, instead of to still doing it, we would use our heads. Now, can you imagine your child to go to bed and rock themselves really, really hard to go to sleep until they cannot, <laughs> until they're tired? Till this day, I still struggle, I confess, I still struggle making myself go to sleep, especially when I listen to music. If I listen to music, I cannot help myself but rock my body back and forth, back and forth. And uh, one thing that we all of us in the orphanage had in common was the absence of being loved. 
We did not know how did it feel for someone to love us? How did it feel for someone to talk to us and make us feel important and let us know that we do exist in this world? There is hope out there for us. We were starving for attention. The only way we could get attention from the workers was to act up in front of them. We would do funny faces, we would do silly things just so that they could comment back on us. And even if it was negative comments, and even if they would shoo us away, they would, we would love to hear something back from them, no matter what kind of comment it would be. And we were very, very desperate for someone to just talk to us and be there for us and comfort us when we have bad dreams and tell us when we need help for anything particular, any personal things. So one time, some ancient person, Operation Christmas Child, comes to our orphanage, and we get very, very excited because we see the presents, we see the shoeboxes. And we were really excited because every single time we received gifts, we knew we were going to receive them. And uh, we were looking forward to see what it would be. But then we would, did not know what to expect after the gift because every single time we received the gift, it was always taken away by the workers. Because the workers could not afford to get the kind of gifts we would receive for their own children. I remember a day when we received bicycles from Scotland. Every one of us got a bicycle. And we were so excited over those things. We even learned how to ride them. We showed off in front of one another. We rode forever. And we were so looking forward for the next day to ride even more. And the next day when we woke up and we went outside to get the bicycles, they were all gone and we were left with the junk ones. Because the workers did not have the money to buy the kind of bicycles. So as we saw some ancient sports come to our orphanage, they also had the gospel books. And you know what the gospel books are. They tell us about the Jesus Christ. And the workers at the orphanage did not believe in some ancient sports sharing the gospel with us. They made an agreement with Operation Christmas Child to just drop the shoe boxes and then they had to leave with the gospel books into their hands. So we did not get to hear the gospel at that time when we got to receive the shoe boxes and before we even opened them. But not too long afterwards, after they left, just to, make, just to show you how amazing God is, he did not let his word stop there. He still, we still got the chance to hear it by hearing that Americans were coming to our orphanage. Every single time we heard about anything about America, we got very, very excited because we knew Americans are rich, they have lots of candy, you are friendly. So we were really, really looking forward to meeting you. We were so excited. It's like Elvis Presley coming to your church, okay? That's how excited we were. So as soon as all of us, hundreds of children, are hearing this great news, we were just excited over the news, over these rich people coming to our poor place. What we all decided is like all of us decided to run to this place that was holding the orphanage in place at the gates. And as we ran, we were so excited, we literally tripped over each other's feet. We were pushing. We, were do, we would do whatever it takes to be there first because we wanted to grab onto an American. And sure enough, as soon as the bus pulls in, we, we get very excited. And as we waited for them, the excitement we had on us, we couldn't even contain our joy in. I want you to take your palm, lift it up, and I want you to make a really tight, tight, tight fist. Really, really tight. And that's how excited we were. We couldn't wait for them to come in there. And now if you let go of your fist, look at your palm. And if you can see your fingernails encrypted into your palms. That's how excited we were. We could not wait. And by the time it was time for me to let go of my fingers, my fingers sometimes would be stiff. I'm like, let go, finger. I wanted to meet the American. So there was this lady named Connie. I got to see her, and I said, she's going to be mine. 
I watched every single step she took off the bus until she came into the orphanage. And as soon as she entered, I ran to her and I grabbed her hand. And I did not let go of her. She was with me the rest of the day. I was super glued to her. That's how excited I was to have her. If she had to go to the restroom, I went with her. I don't care where she went. I stayed with her. And it was really sad at the moment because there were hundreds of children who were wanting to hold on to an American, and there are only 20 mission people from Newnan, Georgia. And the ones who were left out, they tried to be part of my county. And I'll tell them, no, go away. This is my person. You go find somebody else. I was like a bodyguard. I wanted her to be mine and mine only. I wanted to be the only one who could receive all the love and all the attention that I could possibly have at that moment within that hour. And sure enough, Connie was on a mission trip for the very first time, and she just happens to be with the group, and they see the shoeboxes laying around, and the group knew about the Operation Christmas Child. They even themselves packed shoeboxes. And they were familiar with the project, and they decided to hand us the shoeboxes. And we were so excited. They hand us the boxes. And before we even opened them, there was always a dream I ever wanted, which was to have my own set of hair clips. I don't know why, but I wanted my own hair, hair clips. My, that dream was before even wanting a family. Hair clips was my first thing. And then family, if I even got lucky to have something like that. Sometimes I did not even allow myself to even think of a family. But I wanted hair clips. I wanted them for many, many years, and I knew it was impossible to even get them. Either I will never receive them, or I will never even see myself holding them. Sometimes I thought about shutting my dreams down because there was, it's sometimes, I don't know, it was so hard to believe that I could ever have something like that. Sure enough, Connie picks a random box out of the stack. She hands it to us. And before we even opened them, they were telling us how people like you have packed the simple gifts with the number one item, which was hair, which was, excuse me, <laughs> which was prayer. The number one thing you could have packed was prayer. And at that time, I was 12 years old, and I'm thinking, how do you pack a box with prayer? Do you lean over and pray? What happens? How do you do it? And then they were telling us how you have packed this gift with love. And you are sending us love across the seas, thousands of miles away. You wanted us to experience this love through this gift that we take for granted, but it meant the world to us. And they were telling us even more about how there's a God out there who loves us unconditionally. And as they fed us with this information of love, it was very hard for me to understand. I was mesmerized by these words. I'm thinking, how can you love us? How can you send us love across the seas when we have these workers right here next to us who could not even show us a drop of love? I was in shock, and all of us, I bet all of us, was very hard for us to take it in and let it sink into our hearts. We were so excited over this great news. And as they, as they went on with the information of letting us about how much you love us, they finally had to count down to three until at the three you opened the shoebox. And we're thinking, come on, say three already. They counted slowly. One, two, three. And as soon as they said three, all you could hear was laughter. Laughter and screaming. And when I opened my box, guess what was in it? Hair clips. Now, there was not just one or two hair clips. At the very top of the shoebox happens to be a big pack of hair clips in a clear wrapping paper. I couldn't believe my eyes. At that time, as you can see in the picture, I had short hair. I was so excited. I mean, I was super excited. I picked the packet and I tore it open. And I tried to put them all in my hair. Probably 20 of them out there. And Connie was next to me, and she was trying to tell me, Livia, calm down. It's okay. Just put one to the right and one to the left. And I said, no, I want them all in my hair. There they are. 
I received them, but I touched them with my own hands. They are in my hair. And it felt so good. I was so relieved. I felt like I was at the top of the mountain. I was at the top of everything else, having my own hair clips, my dream come true. And in the shoebox, I also received hygiene items. Now, how many of you, when you pack a box, you think, well, would this child really like the toothpaste and the washcloth and bar soap? Sometimes you may question yourself, really? That's so simple. It's not that, it's not, it may be simple to you, but it's treasure to us. Having my own bar soap and my own washcloth, I didn't think about taking baths after so many children anymore. I didn't think about having to wait in line and look embarrassing in front of every child. I was thinking about picking the bar soap and just rub it against my skin and make myself smell good. And having the toothbrush and toothpaste, oh my gosh, I was going to feel fresh for a month. I did not have to share my toothbrush with other children, and I did not think about brushing my teeth at least once a week. So having those things meant so much to us. And I want to share with you of how much of an impact it had, not just on my heart, but on every child in the orphanage did. You are out here who are packing the shoe boxes, and I want to use the shoe box and use it as an illustration. The shoe box representing the sun, a bright, shiny sun. And you are out here who are packing it with love and prayer and joy and everything else you can contain the, the box with. And as you send it across the seas into this dark world that we are living in, you all of a sudden just illuminate our hearts. You give us hope. You let us know that we are loved. And we do experience love. And it was so many that when we received the shoe boxes, all of us were looking in each other's boxes. We were laughing at the items we received in, the yo-yos, the slinkies, who knows what else, the cars. We were giving each other's hugs when we used to hate one another. And we were even talking to each other. And we were laughing at the items we received. It was just so much joy in there. And in the, or in the orphanage, when I received the shoe box, I also received one more item, which was a necklace. And a necklace was a heart broken in half, and it said, I love you on it. I went to a translator, and I wanted to find out how do you say I love you in English, and sure enough, I found out. And I was really excited because I wanted to express that to Connie. And as I, as I got the necklace, I wanted to share with Connie part of my shoebox to tell her thank you. Thank you for making my dream come true. Thank you for telling me about people like you who are praying for us, who are sending us love, who are wanting us to experience true joy and true love. And as I gave her the necklace and I told Connie, here, you keep half, I keep the other half, and maybe one day we can put them together. And as I gave her the half of the necklace, I told her that I loved her in her own language. And from that moment on, Connie decided to adopt me. So Connie is on a random mission trip, having no idea she's going to distribute shoe boxes, having no idea she's going to find a leech next to her, and having no idea that God was going to tell her to adopt me. I got everything just come through all in one day, within an hour. I didn't just get to hear about your prayers, about your love, about God's love, and get my dream come true, but then having to hear that I was going to have a family. At the age of 12, I bet I was excited. And Connie, that day, she went to her host family she was staying with in Romania, and she cried her eyes out. Because God told her that I needed to have a mother and she needed to have a daughter. And Connie, when she was on that mission trip, the mission group she was with, they, that mission group particularly helped build a Christian home that they knew a couple in Romania. And that Christian home, what they did, they would go out on the street and pick any random child off the street and bring them into the house and treat them as their own child. So Connie wanted me to be transferred to a Christian home there in Romania. And later on that year, I accepted Christ. 
So Operation Christmas Child has definitely planted a seed, told me that I, I am loved by God no matter what. And sure enough, two years for the adoption, at the age of 14, I come to the United States. And I just want to show you how amazing God is. Because if I just stayed one more day in Romania, no matter what, if the papers were paid, signed, if the plane tickets were bought, passport was complete, no matter what, if I just stayed one more day, I could not have come to the United States. Because as soon as I left, the adoptions just shut down. I was the last child. I am history till this day. They have not been open ever since. But if you look at it, that's how much God loved me. He rescued me from this dark world. He brought me to light. And he brought me here for you to hear God's love that he has for me and for you. And he wanted you to see, for you to see how much of an impact it has on our hearts. Not just mine, but every child in the, in the world who received this shoebox. So at the age of 14, I come to the United States speaking no English. Learned it as I went. I was forced to learn it by listening to people, watching TV, listening to radio and whatnot. And sure enough, I get some experts hears about my story, and they wanted to give me an opportunity to go out to a third world country and give out my own personal shoebox. And that year, in 2004, I went to a, a mission trip in Costa Rica, and I distributed shoeboxes. And I went to a particular orphanage, and it was really neat to meet a particular girl I was falling in love with. And I, wanted, I gave her my own shoebox, and I wanted to tell her that this shoebox is for her. And I told her about how that shoebox, like hers, has affected my life. And how of a great plan God has for her. And in return, she told me, maybe God can bring you back again and see me all over again. It was so sweet. So on the trip, there was not just people from the United States, but people from all over the world that Operation Christmas Child is involved with. This particular girl was from Texas, and I got to meet others from Canada and from UK and from all over the world. And looking at this, these children are holding a piece of candy. They were so excited over that piece of candy. They were like, I have candy. And I remember, I remember when I waited for the Americans to come give me candy. So that, it made me think of that time. <laughs> if you look in this picture, everybody's looking in one box. And it made me think of my time when all of us were looking in each other's boxes. And it was so neat to see the reflection of how everybody else was reacting the exact same way. And this is the girl that I gave my own personal shoebox. And I wanted to make sure that that girl received a plush toy. Because when I was in the orphanage, I always wanted someone to comfort me. I never had a plush toy or something to hold on to. And I wanted her to have something like that when she goes through a bad dream or when she goes through a hard time in her lifetime. And I just want to make sure she has something to comfort her and remind her of Jesus and remind her of me. Now, I want to ask, how many of you, when you pack your boxes, you are ever concerned of what to put in a box? You can confess it. It's okay. I still do sometimes. Well, this particular child, there was one kid who loved to color, absolutely loved to color. And we come and give him the shoe box, and guess what happens to be in it? Crayons. Now, it was not just one pack of crayons, but the whole box was filled with just crayons and paper. Just crayons and paper. He was so excited, he decided to take those crayons and start coloring all over the paper and give us thank you notes for giving him a shoe box. It made me think, how can he be so thankful over crayons? And we are out here who are taking things for granted, and we're, we have warehouses full of stuff. We pay for it monthly so we can keep our stuff in the warehouse, in the rental house, however you call it, where you could be spending the money for sp spreading the gospel to children. 
Who can guess what's in that shoebox? Tools. Okay, it's a good guess. This child happens to receive a, a hammer and a box full of tools. This is how amazing God works. For you who, are, who said you are concerned of what to put in a shoebox, this child, when he received the box, as we were passing from volunteer to volunteer until he reached the child, our hands would drop. And we're thinking, why is this box so heavy? And sure enough, as he reached the child, the 14-year-old boy, his hands dropped. So he had to sit down because it was so heavy. And when he opened the box, there were tools. He was so excited because his father was a carpenter. And he said he was going to go back home and build a house with his father. Now, I cannot see God mess up on giving the wrong box to the perfect hands of a child or give the perfect box into the wrong hands of a child. He always gives it to the perfect one. So it was really, really neat to see that. How many of you pack letters? You put a letter of yourself and a picture of yourself. I highly recommend you do that because they love to find out who gave them the shoebox, who loves them that much. And you know what they will do? They will brag on you. They will go to their family and they will say, look who gave me the shoebox. And you never know when you can in return receive a letter back from them, depending on the conditions they live in. On the trip, as you can see, they received the gospel book. And uh, it was really neat to watch two little girls sitting on the side of the road, and they were reading the book. I didn't get the chance to uh, receive a a book like that. But I finally had the opportunity to read one, and it's amazing. It's very well written. A child should accept Christ right at that moment. It is so good written. On the trip, we tried to have as much fun as we could with them. We painted their faces. We made balloon animals. We played soccer with them. And I really, really wanted to interact with them as much as I could because I knew how much they wanted attention and they wanted to receive love. And I wanted to give all of that to them before I even left for the next um, destination. On the trip, there was a team who ran out of shoeboxes, and they decided to get together and pray. And as they prayed, God just all of a sudden put a carton box next to them, and they were able to continue distributing the shoeboxes. And it made me think of how God does not want us to stop spreading the word. He wanted them to continue giving the shoeboxes. And as you can see, children right there. On the trip, we tried to um, share the gospel through different things, through dances, through drama, through everything. And in return, they danced for us. So it was really neat to watch their culture. I shared the gospel with them. And uh, it was amazing to have the opportunity to do that because when I left, they were very sad because I had to leave and they wanted to hear more about it. But I was really, really excited because they had the gospel books next to them. They they had the opportunity to to read further into it. And then I had the chance to go to the top of the mountain and just thank God for everything he has done in my life, for changing my life, for bringing me from darkness to light, for transforming my heart into receiving him into my heart. And uh, last year, in summer 2010, I had the opportunity to go back to Romania and do mission work, and I had the chance to meet my biological mom and brother for the very first time in 15 years. Before I left to Romania on a mission trip, I kept in touch with one of the workers from the orphanage through email, and she told me she found my biological mom, and I said, no way. And sure enough, my next goal was to do mission work and meet her. And I got the chance to meet with her and tell her about what has Operation Christmas Child done to my life and how I am changed because of them and how I have Jesus Christ into my heart. And I shared with her the gospel. I gave her a New Testament, and I told her to read the New Testament, take her time, read verse by verse, understand what it says, because I wanted her to get the point, then miss the point. And it is my prayer till this day that she will one day be saved 
Yes, we still keep in touch. One day I will ask her if she, she has, if she has asked Jesus into her heart. But if you look back, Operation Christmas Child is all about sharing the gospel. They came to my orphanage. They planted a seed into my heart. I was able to grow within that year at a Christian home and accept Christ into my heart. But then their goal as a child is to go and share with their friends. And my goal was to <laughs> finally meet with her again. After 10 years after I received the shoebox, I got the chance to meet her. And I just want to say thank you so much for being involved. You do impact our hearts. You do let us know how we are loved. And we do feel your love. And I encourage you to pack one more box because that means one more gospel opportunity. There are other Livias who are in desperate need of love and attention. Thank you. Well, I know that I speak for our whole church when I say thank you very much for coming and presenting what happened in your life through one of these boxes. And thank you to the whole team. We really appreciate your being with us tonight and for the opportunity that we have as a church to be involved in a ministry like this. It's hard to get your head around this, isn't it? As you're listening, it, it's almost hard to identify because we live in such a different environment. And uh, not, not to run anybody down, but we have so much that we just take things for granted. And then others are so grateful for the smallest things. And um, what a great opportunity we have as a church family to be involved in sending these boxes and then packing them with prayer and packing them with love and seeing what God will do in a very um, unusual way. Now, I don't know if you already have started packing boxes or not, but I believe there are boxes that are available in the entryway. If you would like to take some tonight, please pick them up, take them along, and then when we have our collection time, then you'll be able to bring them back in. And I know that God is going to use this whole opportunity for us to reach one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. Eight million a year, 8.2 million. And that's only 4%. So it would take 25 years to reach all the kids, right? Is that right? Am I figuring right? No, I'm not? More, that's what I mean. It's, it's almost, uh, Patty has something she wants to say. <laughs> Patty has always got something to say. Um, this will take three seconds. Um, this is a really tough economy, and I know that. More than anything else, we covet your prayers for this project. If you haven't got a nickel to rub against a dime, that's okay. We want you to pray for this project. If you do have a few nickels and that's all you have, I need a tube of toothpaste or a comb. That's it. If you can pack a shoebox, God bless you. We want those too. But nothing is too small. No prayer is too small, and no gift is too small. And I think this helps us reevaluate some of the priorities that we have with the use of our own material wealth. Uh, if you've read Radical, the, the book, um, you understand that the challenge that David Platt gives in that book is a challenge to reevaluate whether or not the priority of our life is to achieve the American dream or if it's to use that which is beyond our necessities to give to others so that they can enjoy the benefits not only of what we can give them, but also the opportunity to hear the gospel. It really makes you search your own heart, and it makes you evaluate the things that you do. The, the illustration about those 
storage bins. Um, we just have so much, and the rest of the world has so little in many, many ways. So this is a great opportunity, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. I don't know. Do you ever take questions? Would that be fine? Do, you, do any of you have a question for Olivia that you would like to ask her? Anything at all? Is it better to use the plastic box as opposed to the shoe box? Great to use the plastic boxes because those become a gift in themselves. And uh, they can be used for water so you can bathe and... They're carrying water yeah. and storing food. It is definitely a double gift. So we encourage plastic shoe boxes. Okay. So if you can do that, that would that would be great. Anything else? Is that it? Let's stand. And uh, then before you leave tonight, take this opportunity to greet our guests. I know that they would appreciate it. And if uh, you will, grab some boxes on the way out. And uh, if you would prefer to get the plastic boxes, then please feel free to do that. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for just the the wonderful impact that these boxes have had on so many lives. And tonight, as we've heard from Livia, we realize, Lord, that she is uh, just one of perhaps innumerable stories that could be told. We know that you will honor your word, and we thank you for Samaritan's Purse and their faithfulness in seeing that the word of God goes wherever they are allowed to go. And we pray, Lord, that as we prepare more of these boxes, that you might begin preparing the hearts of the children and begin preparing the pastors who will be distributing these boxes. And, Father, we pray that perhaps this year would be the greatest year of all, not only for the number of boxes distributed, but also for the impact that the gospel would have in lives. We pray, Lord, that as a church we would be deeply involved, not only in this project, but, Father, every day of our lives in communicating the truth surrounding the person of Christ and what he has done for us. We thank you and praise you for this time together. We thank you for Livia, for the way that you have worked in her life, and now for the way that she is impacting your work through our lives. Father, honor yourself through it all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.